Okay, so we're bringing you a, another episode of the ERB Pod. I'm uh, with Phil here as well, and just not joining us today. Uh, he is enjoying Women's Day with his women. So, um, Phil, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I am in a little state of shock just as we are reeling off the news of the Springbok squad announcement, as we'll get into. There were quite a number of shocks which were sort of filtered through and leaked throughout the day, but uh, yeah, mostly still uh, getting coming to terms with them. <laughs> the World Cup's not over yet, Phil. Um, <laughs> it's, it's obviously announcement season for all the different squads. Uh, by the time of uh, this recording, um, it's, we've had the squad for about 45 minutes from the Springboks. Uh, we had the English squad being announced, Steve Borthwick, Leaving out uh, Slade and Don Brandt, I think, were the bigger missions there. Taking Marcus Smith with, with which um, surprised a lot of people. Phil, your feelings on the English squad quickly? Yeah, I think um, just because there isn't as much certainty on the first 15 uh, for England, there were always likely to be some sort of shocks. Something, Someone like Don Brandt has got a fair few games over the last um, few years. So he was quite a big shock. I think um, Smith, to be not in the squad completely would have been a shock, but his obviously his spot in the first 15 is in a lot of doubt. Um, but yeah, just such a change from, obviously they've, they've, so many players from the last World Cup have come and gone despite still being able. So should be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, and we had a few other squads. Uh, Fiji included uh, more than half of their side were Drua players. So, you know, Ant's favorite thing to keep bashing home about how great the Drua are for player development as opposed to just bringing in ex All Blacks and Wallabies seems to be ringing true because they've backed that up with a lot of really good results uh, with the squad. So they're looking pretty hot. New Zealand announced their squad. That was a big moment for the All Blacks. But... I think as as the press have shown, not much in the way of shock selections. Uh, maybe just Roy Gard for Weber. Phil, anything else to add on the All Black squad? Yeah, I think uh, just some of the players, there was some injury concerns. So Moody didn't quite make it. Um, and Havili did, despite just playing 40 minutes for his uh, local Tasman NPC uh, side. So... You know, in the centers, Havili is probably behind Jordi at the moment, but perhaps a little bit harsh on, I don't know, some of the other guys who they could have uh, had a look in there. But um, no real shocks, yeah, as you say. Some guys maybe a little bit harsh. Someone like, I think, Fanal was expected at because they didn't um, name as many loose forwards as one might expect, but a very strong team. And um, yeah, not too much of a shock. Yeah, um, there might be a few more squads coming over the next couple of days. We're waiting for the likes of France and Ireland and um, a few others. But the, the big announcement, uh, especially for us, was the Springbok squad. Um, we actually had a bit of a sweepstakes to see who could predict the squad the best. And then everything, everyone's best plans were... Yeah, thrown aside as there was the leaked news. They feel that uh, a few of the 2019 World Cup stars were were injured and or ill. Um, 
and what we thought might have been just people clickbaiting for headlines and, and things turned out to be true. Um, yeah, your, your initial impressions, Phil, off the back of that uh, announcement. Yeah, so it was three players who, like you say, uh, started the World Cup final. We would have expected to start the game against Scotland if they were all fit and ready. Uh, three, I think, very key players in the team. So that's Andre Pollard, Lucanio Am, and Luit Diaga. So without those three, it's quite a big rethink just in terms of shifting things around and obviously this, naming the squad around them. And I'm pretty shocked that we've really only named Mani Libak as the only established or um, proper number 10. Obviously, Willems is in reserve and others can potentially play 10. But uh, yeah, Willems uh, or Libak at least will no doubt start number 10, but he's really you know, the only specialist there. And that's that's a big shock for me. Yeah, so I see Ant has joined us. Uh, Ant, we're just talking about the, the mission of those three players that were leaked earlier in the day before we get to the squad proper. Your first impressions well, of... What three players? No, no one was leaked. No one was admitted. Pollard <laughs> is going to the World Cup. What are you talking about? <laughs> Ant's in denial, clearly. Still. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you mean. Ha, have, you, have you been... Um, Going around your your KZN uh, network, trying to find Rob Dupre's cell phone number, or what's what's your plan? Um, yeah, I think just general shock at this point. I mean, I think you know this is really going to test the whole uh, narrative of our B teams not quite uh, that far off our A team. Um, I just really hope we weren't having to test that in the World Cup. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And and we sort of spoke about Lucania um potentially not making it in the last podcast. So we spoke about the other options at 13, whether it would be Moody or Damien Dialenda. Um so that's not ideal, but Jesse Creels are more than, you know, um more than uh capable replacement at 13, but the behind him is where the issue lies. But I'm still shocked that they named four scrum halves, even rather than a I don't know, and uh Another hooker, even another prop. Guys like Thomas Detoy feeling a bit harshly done by Andrew. What do you think about that? Yeah, getting into the, the squad proper four scrum halves. I think through everyone. I think we we all sort of knew that Faf and Jaden were were going to be there, but we were just debating who would be the third. Uh, and when they announced Grant Williams, I thought, well, shame, Quilbus Ryan. You know, a lot of teams would take him. As their first choice scrum off, and we he's a luxury for us. And then they announced him. So four scrum offs is a luxury. I mean, you, you don't need to with this World Cup schedule rotate your scrum offs that much. Um it, it, it was a shock and it feels like a waste given that we are missing skills in these different specialist positions. Yeah. And especially because we have four wings. So I think, Ant, one of the things that you mentioned was if we pick someone like Grant Williams, he can potentially cover wing. Well, that, that was what I was going to say. Is I think, you know, you've got Fuff has covered 10 before. Williams can potentially play wing. Jaden Hendricks uh, has played fly-off, I think, for the Sharks. I mean, at least once in an injury in this indication. So I think there's they've probably gone for the, um, the extra scrum off rather than the extra forward. Given, you know, we've got a like-for-like replacement, um, Clayne or Ari, whoever it was, is in for Lurt. But losing your 13 and losing your 10, you know, 
there aren't actually any other outside backs in the squad. Um, you know, so they just kind of, oh, sorry, not outside backs, any backs. So they kind of just had to load up on, um, you know, unless we're saying that uh, Quaja or Dion Faria are suddenly going to cover 13, we kind of had to go all in on the scrum offs and hope they can fill out all the spots. It is worrying, though, if you think that we suddenly might have a, uh, a back line of um, Jaden 9, Fuff 10, Kayla and Valimsa on the wings. I mean, Kayla and um, Colby. Like, that's a really small back line, um, which is concerning. Yeah, but then you can have um, Esther Hazen and Damien Delendi in the centres to make up for it, right? <laughs> Where's Franz Stanford pullback? Just so we can still get to an average weight that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it's a real problem. I mean, I'll, I still back our, our first 15. Um, and I I think I'm more comfortable with Marnie than a lot of people. I think I was getting a bit sceptical at this point about Andre. Just a storm as a political. Possibly. Um. I mean, as much as you are disappointed about Jean-Luc Dupre not getting in, I'm more comfortable with Marnie. Um, you know, he, he, he's he been playing at a high level now in the URC, leading a championship team. Um, he is a bit of a confidence player and his goal kicking is not so great, but that is a, a learned skill. Um, that's something you can practice and get better at. Uh, I'm firmly of that of that opinion. Just a quick aside, when, when I got injured... Um, grade 10 playing rugby uh i basically couldn't play any more contact so i just kicked for poles like for two hours a day you know for like a year and um by the end of that year i was like training the first team kicker to kick for poles it was it, you can learn it yeah, um, but we don't have a year andrew other training during the day <laughs> like you're still going to be playing contact rugby on the weekend well, I, I had I had like nine hours of school to go to, so I yeah, <laughs> he's a professional rugby player. I was a great team. Andrew, are you suggesting you can go be the Springboks' new kicking coach? Well, if they call, I'll go. <laughs> I th- but I, I think I think it's a fair point. Like I am not worried about money's overall game, but the kicking obviously has been a concern. So again, same with Jesse Krill. I'm not really worried about the first fifteen, but if money goes down. Then I'm worried. Like I, seen I just want to before we shift away yeah. from Marnie and learn skills. You know, we've also been saying that Joseph Dweber could can learn to throw for two years, and <laughs> um, that hasn't picked itself and resulted in him not being in the squad. So I don't hold up too much hope that Marnie Lebox suddenly going to become a you know ninety five percent goal kicker in in thirty one days. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, using your point around Dweber against me was very smart. And... <laughs> <laughs> Backed into a corner. <laughs> but it's, uh-huh. I mean, it's uh, also a fair point. Like if it was that easy to learn kicking, it, these are professionals. Every kicker in the world would be above 90%, right? So it's not as easy, I think, as it might look from the outside for whatever reason. May, maybe it's just the pressure. Maybe it's, you know, maybe in, in practice, they are able to kick like almost all their kicks and then they're on the day. It's just a little bit tougher. But um, yeah, a lot of pressure now on the buck. Just being that number 110 is a huge amount of responsibility. I think the, the coaches also, from, from not bringing Elton into the reserves, into the broader camp, I think they've basically designated that if Marnie goes down, Damien Willem says number two and one of that for Billy is number three. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Marnie went down or Willemso went down um, that Elton would be brought into the reserves, but I think they might even wait for two injuries before they do that. Um, I'd hate to think that Elton Yankees is our Stephen Donald, um, but that that may come to pass. And you, you're I'll on limited Elton time Yankees here. Sorry, and you're on limited time. Do you want to want to have a rant before you leave? Um, I don't think there's too much of a rant. I think my overall summary, and, and yeah, apologies if you covered this before, is I think like the squad of 33 players is still a very good squad. We're all saying beforehand that it's going to be so hard to leave people out. Um because everyone is is mostly equal talent. And, you know, I so, said, well, there wasn't a single name where you're like, oof, that's a tough call. You know, the, the comments were still like, oof, that's tough on Thomas Toy being left out. That's tough on, like, even Dweber being left out, rather than it's like, a, oh, no, I can't believe Rudy Page is going to the World Cup, you know, to make his debut. So I think there are one or two positions we there's nerves, um, you know, fly off, obviously, outside centre, potentially, because we've, you know, gone in we backed on two horses in the last couple of years and now one of those horses in each position has gone down but you know look at 2007 we'd been backing Jean de Villiers for the entire cycle brought in a rookie 20 year old um, who was starring in the final and we do just happen to have a rookie 20 year old who's played most of his senior rugby at wing but does have some school experience at centre in the squad um, so you know I'm I'm subtly sneaking that maybe maybe Moody will be the answer there at 13. Um, but yeah, I think overall, not too much to be concerned about. Let's just hope that um, LeBoc can play himself into some stunning form in the pool stages. Um, but yeah, looking forward to hearing the rest of you guys' thoughts. I've got to step off. Uh, cheers, guys. Right. So if, if I can pick up on a slightly different strand there, Phil, and get your thoughts on it. I was listening to the post-announcement analysis by uh, three ex-captains, John Smith, Victor Matfield, and John de Villiers. And John de Villiers raised the point of leadership. Now, I mean, having Sia Colisi as a squad captain, obviously everyone's really ecstatic about that. He has a few other leaders underneath him that can step in. Dwayne Vermeulen's captain, Bongi's captain, Dion Curry did well standing in when Bongi went off. However, your backline leadership is looking extremely thin. You've lost Pollard, you've lost Lukanya Am, the two leaders of the back line. I think you can say that. There's a lot on Faf and Vidi's shoulders now, I feel. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I think it's also a potential strength um, having, you know, uh, DDA as R12, that sort of continuity, which has been for, this is his third World Cup, I think now, consecutive World Cup. So maybe not quite as much of a leader as the others you mentioned, Faf and Billy, but he's got a lot of experience. Um, having Jesse Creel, who's just as experienced, I think he's got 60-something caps, despite not being first choice for the last um, four years. There's a lot of experience, but in terms of that leadership, and because so much leadership comes from the number 10 role, like traditionally, that is a potential worry. But I think, um, especially, and I, it was a question last year but now it seems like Billy is going to be the starting number 15 that helps a lot I think whether it's actually literally taking the ball as the first receiver or whether it's you know being more of the mentor to the um, wings and the fly half in this case now the buck it's definitely less of a concern for me although it has you know without Pollard you might think there's a massive drop in terms of leadership not just general play yeah yeah I pretty much agree with that 
And you know, now that now that Am isn't there and Creel is pretty much our undisputed number 13 with, with very limited backup, we are likely to see Damien Dalinda and, and Creel partnering in the midfield for the majority of at least the big games. I think yeah. we were we were hoping potentially if if Damien doesn't show some form in the next little while that Esther Hazen could step up with Am. But I think it's a lot less likely that we see Esther Hazen play big games now. I think DDA, by virtue of that omission, is going to be locked in as 12. So he, he needs to step up. But you know that that said to combination of DDA and, and Krill, they've played a lot together, but you don't feel like they're going to win the game for you, right? They feel like they're a fairly reliable, if you know, somewhat predictable partnership. And you're going to need... You're going to need to find the spark elsewhere to win the game. Um, you, do, you, do you agree with that? I think so, yeah. They're very solid and solid sort of, not just solid at best. I think at their best, they're, they can be game breakers themselves. I mean, Krill has a lot of pace. They've both got a lot of power. But I, I do agree because you rely on the spark coming from someone like Libox, someone like on at the back or even the wings like creating something from nothing there's not a, too much creativity in, in that center pairing um, and um, uh, in terms of and we've discussed a lot in terms of more structural passing through the back line it didn't happen a lot but um was also able to have a really you know fancy pass out the back to create something out of nothing which Krill possibly could do but less so you know with um not as frequent as we would expect from um so i think i think it it will require quite a bit of spark from the rest of the back line but to be honest i think libok is a more creative 10 than pollard so perhaps that's a good thing yeah for sure i think he does create a lot more um and if you have you know colby and potentially KLA on the other wing, like those are two guys who can create something out of nothing. Um, Ken and Moody was linking up beautifully with Ronnie Lebok with cross kicks and, yep. and and that kind of thing. Um, Mapimpi, I'm, he got a huge shout at the announcement. I mean, he, he really is a, a crowd he's a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah for absolutely. sure. But I, I don't know that I think he's first choice anymore. So yeah, you know, it feels like a bit of a luxury selection in the squad, but then you know, if you're having four scrum halves, why not have? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, it's it's a tough one, um, because yeah, if you were picking the starting lineup to face Scotland today, and the wings is a really really tough one. So you'd normally expect Colby. Um, obviously, Duan van der Merver is who we expect to be number eleven for Scotland, probably with Darcy Graham at fourteen. You don't really need a strong aerial. Um, wing to counter Darcy Graham in the same way that he's, you know, similar height to Cheslin Colby. Um, but I still think Mapimpi and Moody are stronger in the air than um, than Kirtley and Cheslin. But that doesn't mean that they're better players or the right pick. Um, and against Scotland, I don't know who I would pick, but like you, I'm, I'm not sure if Mapimpi's first choice. I'm not sure if uh, Moody makes it into the team for that match either. So it's looking like Kurt Lierantz and Chesson Colby are currently, unless something happens, you know, probably penciled in for that match. Mm, I think you're probably right. Um, I feel like with Scotland, uh, the game plan is just going to be to starve the wings because they, their danger is is out wide and with their creative 10. I think the forwards is where we can really dominate them. 
So, yeah, you do have to think about the opposition, but also have to go Springbok strengths first. And there's a, sure. we haven't talked much about the forwards, but the forward selection is looking very beefy. I mean, we've got four four locks. Um, with Lurt not being there, they've brought in one of Jean Klein or Marvin Ori with um, presumably first choice Aki Sneiman and Eben Etzebeth. Um, Aki has been a bit of a revelation coming from the bench. Um, and he also, he played a couple of games for Munster, but he hasn't played a lot of minutes since he came back from his injury, although he has looked fantastic. Do we back him to go 80 or, or at least 60 in the big games? It's it's a tough one. Um, and I have been thinking about it for the last, we haven't had too much reaction time, but in the World Cup final, just to track back a little, um, Lewitt got an injury in the first 15, 20 minutes and he went off very early and his arm was in a sling. Um, we had both Erge and Mostert on the bench and they decided to bring on Mostert to play the last 60. Sneman still came on, but only with 20 minutes to go. And I think that's partly because Mostert was the safer option for a longer period of time and they still wanted that impact from Sneman. Which makes me which makes me ask the question which I asked in the group earlier is do we think that actually they want to take Sneiman's impact uh, role away from him? And without Lurt, like the easy answer is, yeah, of course, he's next in line. But if they want to keep the sort of system more similar, then it becomes, who do you replace Lurt with? And Ori is, well, well I guess Mostert's there too, but one of those two are the more like-for-like for Lurt um, and then still able to bring Sneiman off the bench. So I don't think it's clear-cut that... Uh, Sneiman will step in for Lurt, but it could happen. I'm not sure. Would you prefer to see Sneiman starting? It's a tough one. We had the same debate about Malcolm Marks a little while ago. You know, he's been so phenomenal off the bench. Is he going to be as good for 80 minutes starting? Um, or will he lose his sort of impetus? We saw with him, he can go 80 and he can produce for full game. Achia feels like the same player. It's just his, his playing minutes and fitness, but we obviously don't have that data in front of us. So it's difficult to say, you know, without being a medical doctor in the Springbok camp, whether he can last that long. Um, so, it, yeah, I think it remains to be seen. I think Ori has done himself a lot of favours the last few games. He's played really well. He's won a lot of us over, including myself. Um, two months ago, if you said Marvin Ori was potentially going to start for the Springboks, the World Cup, I think that was like potentially the end of our campaign and <laughs> to be yeah. drastic. But he, he's Help really, yeah, he's come along well. Um, he he seems to be uh, a really good lineout organi organizer as well, which is an important role that Akhir maybe hasn't played as much, although we assume he does that for months. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Ant said he thinks that he does. Uh, I'll take his word for it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I haven't noticed as much. He's obviously been injured for a long time, so he hasn't done it much this season. But um, yeah, yeah I, there are just so many good forward options. Like it is, you know, especially around loose forward where South Africa have ridiculous depth. You know, uh, the rest of the world would give anything to have some of the options that the Springboks have. And we, we're taking six loose forwards, not including Dion Free and Franco Mustard. So that is a lot of different combinations which we can potentially play. Um, and yeah, I think Dion Free 
still, I see him as mostly a loose forward and only emergency hooker. I still, even against Tonga, I wouldn't want to see him hooker, maybe against Romania, but Romania are supposed to have a pretty good front or pack in terms of their, one of their strengths. So, um, yeah, I, it's a tough one. I don't know if how much you need to rest players given that there is a week between each game and then two weeks in between potentially the, the last game and a, and a quarterfinal. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the squad is utilized and how much it needs to be utilized. Like you can't be scared of injuries, right? You want rather to work on cohesion and resting where players need resting, but you can't wrap players up in cotton wool for expectation of, a, of knockouts, which may or may not happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And they, we do have a fairly long standby list as well. Um, injuries are probably inevitability that you can't plan for. Uh, yeah. And I think the fact like that the All Blacks have not had such worries about their selection is is good news for their their World Cup squad. But if they have injuries, it does show that they maybe don't have the depth that South Africa does. So our depth, as Anthony was saying, like no one's saying, well, how did this guy get into the squad? Like everyone that's there is 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 a worthy World Cup rugby player. Yep. And and we have a list of eight or ten more that could easily have got in. Um so if we have an injury, we have good players to back him up. Um maybe with the exception of 13. Um yeah. even at 10, you know, Damien Willemser was backed on the Northern Hemisphere tour last year. He knows how to play 10 in the Springbok jersey. He's not a natural fit. Um and he's he's shouldn't be sort of preferred at any point during the campaign. He's definitely a backup. But the coaches believe in him. He's been coached in the, the structures and all of that. So yeah, injuries will probably happen. Just hope that it happens in a position like <laughs> like um well, I don't know if you want to wish injuries on anyone, but <laughs> like, yeah. like back row or, or prop or something that we have just, you know, another cab with the rank who can do an equally good job. Sure. Do you, so do you think, given that the three players that we mentioned at uh, the start who we were shocked about, given that they're all on the backup and standby list, do you think that there's any sort of sneaky business going on? There's still a month until the World Cup. There is opportunity for them to prove themselves. What is the protocol if you want to get Pollard into the squad? Someone has to get injured. Do you think... We've thought about that and it's just part of the process or I don't know. It's it's a strange one. It, it it is a strange one. I mean, we have we have time. Um, like New Zealand are taking Brady Retallick despite him being ruled out for four to six weeks. Exactly. Yeah. With with the knowledge that if he can't play, you know, and he's injured, he can be replaced. Um we we've taken We've taken the route of taking our 33 healthiest players. You know, if we had to yeah. select a team, they could all play tomorrow, except for maybe Sia. But you know, Sia will probably uh, he'll probably get a start against Wales and New Zealand and just play for as long as he can. And I, because he's captain, it almost seems like ceremonial to want to have to you know include him now, maybe. Yeah. Whereas the others, you know, as you say, there has to be an injury in the squad. They can't just say, "Well, okay, Grant Williams has been good to have you." with us in the full stages. Um, I hope you got some nice experience. Now we'd like to swap you out with Andre Pollard. Like yeah. that because Andre is now fit and rearing to go. Like it doesn't work that way. The regulations don't allow that. So 
he has to have some some long-term concussion symptoms or something that he could claim to, to drop out the squad. Um, and if he does, like, there's going to be questions asked, like, how pre-planned was this, at, if it was at all? Um, yeah. You know, that there's, I think, I think the Springboks have to have enough integrity not to do that kind of thing. But then why include injured players on your reserve list? Um, yeah, and, like, surely someone, Pollard, I think, especially Pollard and um, given their importance to the team, like even if they have a 50% chance of only making the Island game, which is the last game of the pool, surely you'd want to include them. Like Pollard is that important of a player. Uh, he's our World Cup final winning fly half that any chance that he'll be able to play against Ireland, you want him there. So I think that they've done what they've done. I'm not saying whether it's sneaky or within the rules and regulations or... Um, I, I don't know how it works well enough, but to me, it seems like they've given themselves an opportunity to have those players there by the end of the group stage, however that works. Um, but it wouldn't make sense if there's a chance for Pollard to be fit, if you're putting him on our standby list to not have him in the squad. It's almost like they've been able to have more people called up to the main squad or something, but it's it's a strange one and it's potentially iffy. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, th- I think... With Pollard, they were expecting at some stage not so long ago, maybe six weeks, eight weeks ago, that he would be definitely playing by the Welsh game. Both he and Sio were like definitely going to be ready for the Welsh game, which would yeah. give them a chance to get 100, 120 minutes of warm-up game before the World Cup. Um, he could play against Scotland, who, you know, he again could play you know, 50 minutes or whatever. Um, and he could play himself into some form and some fitness. But now that he he seems to have regressed a bit and he's definitely not going to make Wales, to just give him a game against New Zealand and then throw him into the World Cup, especially ahead of Marnie Lubbock, who would have been playing for like eight or nine games then, um, yeah. it just feels a bit risky with something like a, a fly-off is one of the most influential uh, positions on the field, right? Yeah. So I think the coaches have done something conservative by actually not selecting him at all. But then why have him on 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 the list? You know, if if, if Marnie Lebok goes down in the semi-final, are we gonna bring Andre Pollard in to play the final of the Rugby World Cup with no rugby behind him? No. I d I don't think so. Um yeah. he'll be second to Damon Willems at that point. Like at what point does he drop out of the reserves because we'd actually rather go with the options in the squad already? Um, well, I'd prefer Andre to play over like Faf or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it seems like they're giving themselves sort of options. Yeah. I think there must be a lot of uncertainty with how and when they'll be available or if they'll be available. I mean, having four scrum outs rather than including a potentially fit Andre Pollard still doesn't really make sense in my mind, unless they know they could be more flexible with the squad arrangements. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting announcement. Uh, 33 very strong players. I am I am feeling less confident. I think the... <laughs> I think the main one is M for me. Um, I think I was also guilty of maybe having a bit of a hundred Pollard Savior complex idea, despite despite my confidence in Marnie Lubbock. Um, his performance against Argentina off the tee seems to be the main 
the main issue or my main cause of my <laughs> my anxiety yeah. around this. Like Andre Pollard, you can back him for ninety percent kicking big moments, no problem. Um, he's not as creative, but he's he's more solid. But you know, these are the cards we have, so we've got to play the best game we can. Um, we probably will see a more exciting Springbok side as a result because now he's more creative and he'll have creative players around him, especially that back three. Um, we have a solid forward pack which can be dominant. I back this forward pack against pretty much anyone out there. It's gonna be interesting to see how Sia's managed his comeback. Um, uh, we got Marco van Staden and Dion Ferri there and Quaka who <laughs> and, options and share can share minutes with him. Um, yeah, there's, there's, it feels like there's lots of question marks still, uh, but we have two more games. That we do, that we do. And yeah, like you said, it's definitely not a whole doom and gloom. There's um, a super strong first 15 that's available out of this 23 and the whole, or I mean, 33 and the whole 33 is, as we've also mentioned, strong. No one is getting in just because, you know, for the sake of it, because someone felt bad or felt sorry. They're 33 super strong players. So I think we can feel confident, even if this is the 33 that's going to stay as the squad the whole tournament. Yeah. Okay, well, these uh, players have a chance to make a legacy for themselves, be the first team to defend the Rugby World Cup and win four. Um, did New Zealand defend the Rugby World Cup? They did. They did, yeah. 2011-2015. Yeah. Yeah, so first team to win four then, um, and the second team yes. to defend the World, the World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll be supporting them all the way. That's that's never in doubt. It doesn't matter who was named, unless it was Rudy Page. Um, <laughs> I feel like Rudy Page's got some <laughs> random stray bullets, which is harsh, but also it, it's just like a random name almost that you pull out the hat. There could have been like a thousand different people, but Rudy yeah. Page took one for the team. Yeah, I don't know. Fortain or I don't know. Who else could be? Earl, Earl Rose. I wouldn't support Earl Rose. Um, <laughs> I would rather have Elton Yankees than Earl Rose, and that's saying oh, Exactly. Um, yeah, Cl- closing thoughts, Phil? Yeah, uh, still excited. Just the wind was slightly taken out of my sails and I think our collective sails just with those three presumed players not being included. But getting over the shock, I think it's not all doom and gloom. There's still a lot to be excited by. It just needs a bit of, I think, um, continuity, hopefully starting with the New Zealand game because I don't think we'll see the strongest team against Wales. And then pick up and go. Just The thing is to just keep getting stronger and stronger. This team is capable, so I'm excited. Yeah, I think that New Zealand's game shapes up as a real marker for the World Cup. And if we can put in an excellent performance and get a win, that's that's obviously the best result. But if we put in a performance that really makes everyone stand up and go, wow, these are contenders, that'll be a big psychological advantage. So, yeah, we, we will wait and see. Um, we will be bringing it uh, to you every week until then. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again next week. Cheers.